VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Uh, hi, is this Franklin? Hello. How you doing, Franklin? You know, I'm doing very good. How are you, Gek? Uh, I'm doing good myself. Uh, I love your voice. You have a great uh, diaphragm. Yeah, I, I've worked a lot on it in uh, my lifetime, I guess. So that's that's very nice of you to say. Really? You've worked on your voice? This is not a natural thing you were born with? This is something that you had to put active effort into? Well, I mean, partly yes and partly no. You know, like, I feel like compared to most people, I have to make quite a conscious effort as to what I'm saying. You know, like I've always said that most others are on, like, a driving an automatic when it comes to communication, whereas I'm driving a manual car. But also, you know, like, I've been told since I was, like, 13 that I'm a, a deep voice, so... That's one thing. I actually am British. I'm not like faking my accent. That's not one way that I've worked on my voice. So I, I, I like what you said just now. You said that most people are when they're when they're talking, they're driving an automatic, but you're driving a manual. So you're putting a lot of effort and thought behind each enunciation of each letter of each word. Exactly. Not only that, but like I used to be a big theater kid. And like all the time, my drama teacher would, um, she'd just like be so serious about enunciation and stuff. And like, mm. I definitely indoctrinated that. And, and enunciation is something that's quite important to me. Mm. Isn't that get exhausting though, having to think so much about every single thing that you say? Oh, very tiring. It's like so unbelievably tiring. Like scripting is a really bad thing for me because I literally can't go into a conversation without like preparing what I'm going to say and what I think the other person is going to say. Hmm. Okay, let's dive into that here. Scripting. So you script out to the best of your ability using the knowledge that you have available to you almost all of your interactions. Yes, definitely. And like a lot, it's really bad because a lot of the time I will just try and script a conversation. And if I can't, if it doesn't go the way that I want it to in my head, I will just completely avoid the interaction overall. And it leads to not the best of communication. But so much of conversation is not just preparing what you're going to say beforehand. It's responding in real time to what the other person is going to say. So how do you account for that when you don't know what the other person's going to say. It's so interesting because that is such a huge thing in conversation for me is like, I hate having to react to what people are going to say, especially if they're like telling me a story that I, I, again, it feels so manual that I'm forcing myself to be like, oh, that's so interesting. Or like, it feels like life is just this huge improv show 
And that's why, like, improvisation and theatre has, has helped me a lot because it's all about, like, trusting your own instincts and, um, like, saying the first thing that comes to mind. But it's it's so much easier said than done. Why do you think you script so much of your conversations? Where do you think that desire comes from? I think it's, like... Because I've had so many failed social interactions in my life that I'm able to recognize this pattern of what people expect from me in conversation slash what my abilities in conversation are, I guess. And, you know, like, I really, if I have a social interaction that goes not well, I will fixate on it literally the whole day and be like, Mm. you're such an idiot. Like, why did you say that? (laughs) And you said this that that this fixation on social interactions is something that happens to you uh, to this day. Yes, definitely. Let me ask you this: When you say a failed social interaction, what does that mean? What is the rubric for failure in your eyes? Um, basically, like with failed social interactions, a lot of the time it's just to do with like how. I was acting in the conversation and that like um, sometimes I can just be really awkward and say things that aren't like too socially acceptable, but they were in my head or a lot of the time I'll make a joke. Can we get an example of something that you can think of in recent memory that you said that in your head was socially acceptable, but when you said it, it wasn't? Um, Like a concrete example. I'm not sure I can think of like an exact quote of what I said, but usually okay. it's when I overestimate how mentally ill others are. Like I forget that not everyone is mentally ill and I will just kind of like trauma dump something in conversation and people will be like, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, fuck, uh, I wish I never said anything. Interesting. All right. So you feel like you might be uh, what they like to call an oversharer. Yeah, yes. I have such an issue with oversharing. Interesting. Uh, Have you spoken to a real therapist about this? I'm curious. Yeah, quite a few. What do they tell you? That's the thing is that, um, I don't know, a lot of them don't really want to focus on that aspect of my mental health. Um, A lot of them just try and... (laughs) It's so hard to to put into words, but like basically like all this stuff to do with communication is to do with my autism, basically. And therapists never seem to want to talk about autism. It's like very frustrating because and it's also very invalidating because, you know, Mm. I'll mention something and it like affects almost every aspect of my life that they just want to talk about like oh well have you been sleeping well or uh, did you eat well or something like that i'm just like yeah i don't really care like you know so you've tried to bring up your autism to therapists and they they won't talk to you about it yeah yeah um especially before i was like um diagnosed and stuff and when i was trying to get diagnosed the therapists just like would really iffy about it and didn't want to get into that process or help me with it at all it's like why so many people um self-diagnose with autism because therapists just like aren't helpful about it and they make the process for getting diagnosed really difficult Hmm. let's bring up what you wrote 
here on the uh, the screening notes because I find this interesting. It says here that you figured out that you were autistic after a bad trip on mushrooms. Yeah. What was that? Yeah, so it was the first time I'd ever done psychedelics. It was uh, my first year at uni. And um, I, I <laughs> the first mistake I made was that I took shrooms the same day that I actually had a therapy session, literally like half an hour before. And it was not a very good one. Um, and so I was not exactly in the best headspace. Um, but then we took the shrooms and... I didn't like see anything crazy. That's the thing. Like I was still getting visuals. People's faces looked weird. The everything was like wavy and stuff like that. But um, the first thing I started to notice was how much I was overthinking, and also how much I didn't want to be around other people. And like I started having this huge identity crisis, and I literally couldn't stop fixating on it because I was like, I realized that I basically just replicate the personality and persona of whoever I'm talking to or interacting with. And it, I was like, why do I do that? And I kept thinking like, why do I do that so much? And it's because I have this like deep rooted fear of people finding out that I'm not normal. And so, you know, and it also goes back to when I was like a little kid and I was also a not normal kid. And you know, I figured out from a young age that the best way to get other people's validation is by making them laugh. And so, you know, from then on, I became like class clown and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, like when I was having a bad trip, I was overthinking so much. And the only way to calm myself down was by doing like really repetitive and like stimulating things. Like we were watching music videos. Uh, like, like I just kept putting on music videos because you're getting that auditory stimuli and the visual stimuli, which is really cool. I want to talk about really, really quick before I move on because I this piqued my curiosity and I don't want to move on from it. You said that you mirror the um, personality of whoever you're talking to and you believe that you do yeah. that because you are insecure about your own personality because you believe it is weird. Is that accurate? Mm. Yeah. Why do you believe that your personality is weird? Well, I was bullied a lot when I was younger um, in like primary school and stuff. Um, kids, you know, all the time they would tell me that I was gay. Um, before I even knew what gay meant or before I was even like thinking about sexuality and stuff sure. um, mm -hmm. because I've never I've never really had I've never perceived the world or anything in like a gendered way <clears throat> that's also another thing to do with autism is that like a lot of the time autistic people don't perceive gender norms in that sort of way and that led to me, you know, I was always like, why is it girly for me to, you know, sing Beyonce? Why is it girly for me to paint my nails or like pretend to be a mermaid with my friends? I never understood sure. the concept of cooties. I was like, cooties are so stupid. That literally doesn't make any sense. Even as like a six year old, I was like, why can't I be friends with girls? And so, yeah, all the time I was bullied a lot. And that led to okay. a lot of like me, especially around other guys, I would feel this really strong and toxic urge to like perform masculinity mm. and the thing is i've gotten so much better over time at not doing that but i still i i still mask and i still basically just give 
the person I'm interacting with whatever they want, basically. Well, let me tell you this, um, and I'm not a real therapist, and, and I, maybe this is a reductive uh, response to to trauma, but I'm going to hail Mary. I'm going to say it anyway. Um, you know, when, when was this bullying taking place? When you were like, what, 10, 13, 12? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, around like and, pre-teenage. And, you're, and you're, you're 20 years old now? Yes. Uh, you know, thirteen-year-old, twelve-year-old, eleven-year-old boys—they're fucked up, and mm-hmm. they're a little mean. And it's not a—it's f- not a fun environment to be in when you're autistic, when you have all these sort of things that you're going through, and uh, you know your your community of peers is not uh, emotionally mature enough to uh, you know know how to accept you for as you are. Um, and that's a fucking bummer, man. And I get that. But now that you're 20, now that you're an adult, you have access to the entirety of the world, which I do believe is filled with people who are understanding and, and caring. And I think that, uh, you know, in this one life that you have, Franklin, uh, you should feel empowered to let go of how you were treated when you were younger and be however the fuck you are. Um, Definitely. What do you think about that? What is your response to that idea? Yeah, like, I want to do that so much. I've literally, like, that's the dream and I'm working on it. And, you know, that's why I'm, like, going through therapy and stuff. And um, I literally just got diagnosed with autism this month um you, so you got you finally got diagnosed by an actual by a uh yes, a, therapist by a, and not, uh, a mushroom thing yes exactly and okay. um the beautiful thing about it is that one of the most helpful resources wasn't like therapists or like the internet and stuff like that it was other autistic people that helped me realize that i was autistic because i've and from that i formed like such a huge community and safe net of autistic people on TikTok that I'm friends with or that follow me. And it's honestly just like really crazy like because I didn't know that there were other people out there that think like me. I always thought I was just broken and everyone else thought the same way. And so it's very comforting that, and like autism is literally like the most specific thing ever. Like there's some symptoms that are just so fucking specific that I'm like, that's crazy that we share that in common. Well, I'm a big fan. Let me tell you this. I'm, I'm thinking about this right now as I'm talking to you. I've ta- we've talked to other autistic callers on the show who have like expressed um, uh, uh, like anxiety over how they're presenting themselves in in social situations. But like the other autistic people I've talked to on the show have been very good at 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 talking. Like they know when to pause and let me speak. They're at li- if they're good listeners. Like. It's it's I almost think that the the this whole thing that you're doing where you're you're putting a lot of thought and effort into um, social interactions. I know why it's exhausting. It sounds like it's exhausting, but it's 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 working. I mean, even this conversation I'm having with you right now, you know, I wouldn't think that that you were socially awkward at all. No, definitely. I think 
it goes back to like what I was saying that with like it's not that autistic people don't understand a lot of social norms and stuff like that. It's that they don't come naturally to us. And sure. that's the whole thing with like being on right. manual versus automatic is that I have you to make work just a much more conscious effort. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um hmm. So you've been able to find a community of other artistic people what on TikTok and Reddit? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. That's awesome, man. So, I mean, how do you feel about your trajectory in terms of what we talked about of you uh, eventually coming to terms with who you are and being a little bit more comfortable expressing that? I think it's it's very interesting because I think I'm very much on the trajectory of doing that, but there's steps that I need to take. Like one of the biggest steps uh, initially for me was breaking up with my ex-girlfriend and I didn't realize how much um, I was, you know, performing for her um, mm. and changing my personality to cater hers. And I think the next step, honestly, is like moving out of my family's house because like yeah. I love them so much, but they just don't really understand and they also they simultaneously know i'm autistic but they also don't really want to accommodate for me in any sort of way sure. um and you know that's just tiring sure sure well franklin uh i i'm, I'm really i'm glad to hear it. it seems like you've been on quite a journey and it seems like you're on an upward trajectory with this, uh, you definitely seem like you're very aware of all these issues and you're currently working to fix them. Uh, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but uh, you don't need to perform for people. Um, I love, man, I, you know, people are so doomery about the internet, but I love that you can go from, you know, being 13 and just having all these people around to just don't and don't even want to try to understand you to finding a community of people where you go, oh, fuck, I'm not crazy. This is a real thing that other people are experiencing as well. I'm glad you were able to find yeah, that. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah, definitely. Franklin, is there anything you want to say to the people of the computer before we go? Yes, I have a question for you, Lyle. You're from Maryland, right? Ooh. Yeah, I'm from Maryland. Why? What's your opinion on the flag of Maryland? Uh, you want my real answer? I do. Uh, you asking me this question is the very first time I have ever thought about the flag of Maryland. <laughs> That's what everyone says when I ask them about flags. <laughs> it says, oh, it says here that you have an obsession with flags, too. Yes, a very strong obsession with flags. What's, what's what's your opinion about the flag of Maryland? I think it's awful. I think it's one of the worst flags I've ever seen. And it also has no symbolism or meaning or significance to Maryland. The only significance is that the people of Maryland love that flag. Like, they love that flag. And I have been, like, bullied on the internet before because I said that Maryland was the worst state flag and literally the whole state like hopped on in my comment section and was like sending me death threats and stuff but Pe it's just not a good up. flag there's Hold way up. too much going people, on people were actually people were sending you death threats over hating the Maryland oh, flag literally. people were trying to like dox me um alright well I will I, I will not be fucking with the flag community anytime soon <laughs>
<laughs> no, it's I am personally, for me to eat. <laughs> I'm personally not offended by your slander of the Maryland flag because, like I said, I never think about it. But what? Okay, so you have an obsession with flags. What is, in your opinion, the best flag? Well, oh, that's such a good question. My personal favorite flag is either between Sicily or Uruguay. Basically, a flag has to have five things. It has to have um, meaningful symbolism, two to three colors, no lettering or seals. Um, it also, there's a couple other things, but they're like the five rules of vexillology. And basically, like, almost all of the state flags break those rules. Like, that's why I just hate most of the state flags. But Maryland takes the, the number one spot for my least favorite. Well, I don't have a five-point rubric, but I will say I like the California flag because uh, it has a bear on it. You know, and, I, like and I respect that. I respect that, but I personally don't like the Californian flag because it has a bear on it. And what does that say about California? You know, it's the golden state, and there's not even any gold on the flag. There's so much more you could represent about California's beautiful landscape, about its booming economy, about its history. Um, and yet they were just like, oh, there's a lot of bears here. Let's put a bear on the flag. And now well, there's Franklin, no bears here. Although we disagree about uh, flags, I will not send you any death threats. And I appreciate you calling in and sharing all of this with us. It's uh, It's been an awesome convo. Yeah, it's been a lovely conversation, and I appreciate our uh, willingness to agree to disagree. That's just really about human civility right there. Hey, have a good night, Franklin. You too. Have a good one. I really have not thought about the Maryland flag. I got to check. Where I, you know what I should have asked him? I should have asked him where people are arguing about flags. I want to go on r slash flags and just see if it's a fucking bloodbath of people saying horrible things to each other because of the disagreements of uh, whether Wyoming or South Dakota has a better shade of blue on their flag. That's how, that's how little I know about flags. I'm pretty sure there's no blue in the Wyoming state flag or the North Dakota state flag. All right, I'm going to look this up really quick. Okay, it is kind of blue. It has a uh, bull. And then let's see. What's South Dakota? That one has a bull on it. That looks kind of cool. Oh, fuck. They do both. They're, they are both blue. Holy shit. I'm a genius. They're both blue. That was a complete guess. That was a complete another guess. And I will say South Dakota's shade of blue I like a little bit better. Oh, North Dakota. North Dakota and uh, Wyoming both have similar shades of blue. Okay, I'm starting to become a little bit obsessed with flags myself. I see where Franklin is coming from. Hello? Hey, is this loud? Hi, is this, yeah, is this Gino? This is he. How you doing, man? Gino, it says here that you once masturbated a at the Vatican. Yes, sir, that is correct. It says here that you have a goal in life to uh, masturbate in as many different countries as possible. If I am able to do it, I would absolutely love to. Okay. Uh, how many how many different countries have you masturbated in so far? Uh, five. Uh, which countries are they? Uh, France, Italy, the Vatican, because the Vatican is kind of its own country, um, oh, no. United States, and uh, London. 
Well, London's not a country. UK. Did you did, did you masturbate in Rome? Yes. Okay, so that's Vatican, Rome, France, Italy, U.S., uh, and England. So that's that's six. You masturbate in six countries. Mm-hmm. Well, Rome's in Italy. Wait. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Did I? Did you say Italy already? Yes. Okay. Um, I think I did. I don't. I you know I know I have this fucking podcast where I talk to people and stuff, but I just don't. I don't know anything, and I don't care. I don't care that people are like, "Oh, Rome is a thing." I don't care where anything it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anything is. I don't care how you pronounce things. I don't care if words that I say mean anything. I do, I don't fucking care. Alaska is a city. Sure. It's not a state. I don't care. Alabama. And mm-hmm. Alaska, and Morocco, and Japan, and Laos, and Baltimore, and Austin. They're all the everywhere is the same place. I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. It's all fine. Everything is fine. Everything I say is okay. I agree, hundred percent. Tell me about masturbating in the Vatican. How did that come about? So like. The Vatican is kind of its own country within within Rome itself. Like, it has its own, like, army. It has its own, like, postal stuff going on. And I visited a couple of times because I was on an archaeological dig in Italy. And I went there, and the first time I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Like, it's got this big museum, and there's so much cool art, you know, the Sistine Chapel, all that. The second time I went, I was like, man, they're their own country. I've spanked it in, like, several countries so far. I might not ever get this chance again. Okay. Um, so I I didn't, like, do it in public or, at, like, inside the Ch- Sistine Chapel or anything like that. Um, but I went to one of the bathrooms in the museum and did it there. And actually, the stalls were, like, very, very nice and very kind of private like they were their own like water closets sort of um and it like it took a little bit because i'm transgender so like you know it was was a little bit awkward um a couple people banged on the door but wait you had people you had people banging on the door yeah because they needed to use the toilet can i ask you um in this bathroom configuration uh, how many mm-hmm. stalls are in this bathroom? So, like, the entire bathroom, it was rather large, but, like, each stall was kind of its own contained, like, water closet. Like, it was like a closet, almost. Like, it was mm-hmm. a, its own kind of private room, almost. So, it was very private. Um, it had, like, sufficient space to get everything done. Well, okay, so what, what I'm asking you is, like, I won't, like, if I go into a public restroom, I won't take a shit mm-hmm. in a public restroom unless if I see that there are other stalls, because if mm-hmm. I'm the only person, because there's absolutely nothing more horrifying than taking a shit in mm-hmm. a, a, a a stall, that's the only one, so, like, you're taking mm-hmm. a shit while there's a line to get in, that's a horrifying experience, I don't know if that's the configuration of this bathroom. No, no, no. There were other toilets in this bathroom as well. Um, like, imagine, like, a, a public bathroom that had, like, I would say there were probably maybe 12 other toilets, yeah. um, from what I recall. 
There are 12 other toilets. Why are people banging on your stall if there's 12 other toilets? Why don't they go use one of the other ones? It was it was rather busy. Um, there were a lot of tourists and things like that. So I, I could Which understand. It wasn't was like there were a lot of people. This was in the Vatican Museum proper. Okay, the Vatican Museum. And how did you feel when you completed the task? I felt very accomplished. Um, it's actually my first time being like out and about. Like even though I wasn't necessarily in public, like it wasn't. It was still in like a public space, right? Like I wasn't in the hotel room or like in my bedroom. Um, so it's the first time I had ever done that. And I just felt like accomplished. Like, yeah, check that box off my bucket list. And was it in the Vatican? Was it right after you jacked off in the Vatican Museum bathroom that you decided it would be your goal to masturbate in as many countries as possible? Or was that beforehand? I really didn't think about it until then. It was just like kind of a, if I don't do this now, like I may never have the chance again. Because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, if I get, you know, blown away by a car or something like that, like it's, it's now or never. And so I just like impulsively decided to do it. Um, but afterwards, Where I also the... decided like if I ever got. Go ahead. You go ahead. If I ever do managed to travel to another country, I would be like committed to doing it there as well. So this is my next question. Are you planning on traveling to other countries with the express purpose of masturbating in them? <clears throat> if I had the money and the, uh, like the time to do so, absolutely. Like th that would not like, if I were to plan a travel trip now, that would not necessarily be the number one goal for it. But if I had the ability, the free time, the money and everything to be able to travel wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, absolutely. You know what you could probably do is you could probably book a flight to somewhere like super far away and then mm -hmm. it, masturbate in the airplane bathroom while it's over mm -hmm. different countries and kind of plan it out so you can knock out a few. You know, that's a brilliant idea. And I would get in the Mile High Club. You also would potentially get arrested. But you don't seem like that's you care true. about that. Um, I'm rather stealthy. Okay. Do you have like a, a process by which you abide to? Um, don't get caught. Okay. But also it's like I don't have... So I'm female to male transgender, so I don't have something that would be like sticking out that could be seen, if that makes sense. Like, so it's like I'm able to do it stealthier than like a non-transgender man would. Okay. So you, um, uh, uh, is there, is there a country in particular that's at the top of your list? Man, like the Vatican was pretty good. Um, I think if, if there was a next goal, like the next summit that I could achieve, probably be not necessarily a country, but Antarctica. If I could do it at Ooh. least like once on every continent, that would be pretty baller. Okay, I think once per, I mean, every single country, that's definitely ambitious. And I think it's good to be mm -hmm. ambitious. 
But uh, once on every continent, I feel like that's a little bit more um, appropriate or a little bit more achievable. Yeah. The Vatican one is the, uh, and you know, we're we're talking a lot about, uh, you know, masturbating in public bathrooms. The Vatican seems like it's the only one where, you know, it necessitates needing a public bathroom because every, every other place you can, you can find a, um, there's no hotel rooms in the Vatican. I don't think. Correct. Yeah. Okay. No, so everywhere, that's the everywhere else. There's, okay. So mm-hmm. Vatican City, that's the hardest. You already did the most difficult one. Actually, no. North Korea right. is probably yeah. the most difficult one. Yeah, that might be a little bit difficult. Yeah. Is there something to you that's American. that's? Is there something to you that is sexually exciting about this, or is this merely um, just a a sort of uh, checking off boxes type of thing for you? I would say it's, it's just checking off boxes. I don't have any particular affinity for, you know, like, I guess it is, like, interesting, like, thrilling, I guess. There is some adrenaline aspect, but yeah. I don't, like, think about it a whole lot. For me, like, the goal is just to be able to say that I did it. Well, let's see. We've done about 10 minutes on masturbating in every country in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think there's any part of this conversation? Uh, do you think there's any stone left unturned in this conversation? Any other aspect of this that we did not go over that the people listening uh, might want to hear about? Um, I don't think so. I just think that, uh, you know, I mean, there is the aspect of it was kind of freeing in a personal aspect since it's like, you know, a very holy religious city. And me having a background of, like, Christian extremism, like, it was a little bit of Ah. of freeing feeling to kind of set my own pace. A little bit, a little bit. Um, No offense to anybody who's who's religious, but that was just my own personal, like, kind of um, being able to free myself from the trappings of the past, so to speak. Other than that, it's just about following your dreams, man. Everybody has their own way of dealing with trauma, and for some people, the way that they do it is to uh, masturbate in the bathroom of the Vatican Museum. And, you know, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that you should be able to do whatever it is you want in this life, as long as you're not hurting other people. Um, so, yeah, you know, power to you, Gino. Rock on. Thank you so Thanks much for, for taking my call, man. I really appreciate anything it. Else, anything else you want to say to the people at the computer before we go? Um, love and peace and follow your dreams. Gino forever. All right. Take it easy, man. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Danny, Danny, Danny. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty swell. I feel like we've had a good evening of wonderful calls, um, and I'm I'm ready to have some more. Um, is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about today, Danny? Yes. So this one's a funny story, actually, in in a way. So um, my uh, grandparents immigrated to America maybe like 30 years ago, and I was born and raised in California, um, lived some of my life in Texas. And then when I was around like nine years old, my mom was like, you know what, let's move back to our, like, to our roots so you can learn more about your culture. 
And next thing I know, my little gay ass went to the Middle East. Mm, where, where exactly in the Middle East? Uh, Jordan. Jordan, okay. All right, so you're nine years old. You're in Jordan. And this is my story of how I learned to discover who I am as a person. I would love to hear um, So, growing up, like, I've always known that I was gay, but for the most part, there wasn't much representation, and most religions obviously aren't really fond of it. So, growing up, like, I've always had this notion that, like, it's wrong to love guys, but in my head, I always thought that I was the exception. And so, mm. growing up, I've just, like, always had crushes here and there, like, this guy in my classroom, like, my neighbor, like, stuff like that. Until around high school when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, like, learn to accept myself. And at home with my parents, I'd be, like, the very straightforward, I'll do what you say, Dad. Like, of course, Mom kind of kid. But then yeah. the moment I was out on the streets, I was kissing boys. Nice. Until one day, it got me in a bit of trouble. <laughs> um, I was in a car with this guy that I met on um, Grinder in Jordan, and... We were having a good time. Like he was a really chill dude. Wait, whatever. tell me real, really quick, and, just to set the scene. Because um, I, I, how long were you in Jordan for? Because you're not nine years old on Grinder, are you? Oh yeah, no. Okay. Um, at the time, I think I was uh, 18. Okay. Damn. So you're in Jordan for a while. Yep, it happened. Yeah, so I was in Jordan for about like 10 years, um, and this was like around the end of the time. Like, cause I, I left around uh, 2020, but. Um, at the time, it was 2019, I was, like, 18, 19 years old, and I was in a car with this guy. It was, like, really nice, whatever. We were having, like, a nice chat, and next thing I know, um, le I'm leaning in for a kiss. And so we're in this, like, really, like, cute moment, passionate kissing, whatever, and all I see are blue and red lights flashing in the background. Oh, no. And <laughs> so um, here's the funny thing. So being gay technically isn't illegal in Jordan, but... That's just, like, on paper. Realistically, considering the society and everything, um, there are other terms for what they call what I do. And so all I saw were a bunch of cops putting me in handcuffs and escorting me to the station. And, ooh, that was, that was a time. Um, I think I spent, like, three nights there in, like, a trapped in the jail cell because um, they were trying to get my paperwork done to send me off to court because... Um, Hmm. Apparently, it was a big offense that I did. So, yes, yeah, so I'm I'm very curious. So, so being gay is not expressly illegal in Jordan, but is it a thing of like the police force is corrupt, and so they like try to get you on something else, even though they're really trying to get you uh, for being gay? Yes. So, originally, my charge was actually public indecency, so it wasn't hmm. like considered homosexuality. It was just like because it was indecent to kiss a man in public. So that was my charge. But they kind of took it to the extreme side. Um, I even remember the the chief of police in the station looked at me specifically and was like, put that one in a separate cell. Damn, that's fucked up. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so funny. He, they even went through my wallet and they were like counting what I had in my, in my pocket because they were like, oh, like how much would he paying you? Like what, this is not. And you're like, y'all, um, really? I'm way like, I cost way more than just 20 bills, like 20 bucks. But anyway. Okay. And next thing where I know, they I put, um, my mom was like, hey. Where did they put, I'm sorry, I want to let you finish your story, but where did they put uh, uh, the guy who you were kissing? Would they put him in like a different cell or something? 
Yeah, they put him in a separate cell, but thing is, he had other people with him. I think they thought he was the top and I was the bottom. I'm not sure why, though. Is there, is there like a... Are, where, do you think they were more harsh to you than him because of that? It's hard to tell. He did get his fair share of scrutiny, but I think for me specifically, my physique and small stature doesn't really help my case. Not to mention, um, I've always been stubborn about... Because I've... Growing up in America, I've like I've been more Americanized than other people. So growing up there, I never really accepted like learning Arabic or anything because I just wanted to stick to who I was as a person, and I just wanted to be the unique one. So as they were trying to talk to me in my broken Arabic, it was like, "Oh, you're clearly the corrupt one over here. You're the one that's changing boys." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're. So I want to let you continue. You call your mom. So I call my mom and I'm like, "Hey, like bestie, I'm not coming home tonight," and. Uh, she ended up coming uh, to the station and she was like trying to convince them just to let me out. But um, like I said, because I was trying to finish my paperwork, I ended up staying there for like three nights and like pretty much two days. I think it was like a went in there like a Thursday night, left there Saturday morning. Um, it was a fun time, really. They gave us food. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> Wait, it was, you said it was fun? <laughs> to an extent. You know, I met some pretty cool people there. Um, I kind of expected I'd be like the odd one out and everyone would hate me, but... Honestly, like, they were pretty chill with me. Like, surprisingly, it was the people behind bars that were the nicest. Really? You said you met cool people there. Who, uh, tell me about the people that you met. There was this one guy who actually asked for my number. Um, at first, when I walked <laughs> in there, they they didn't really have any respect for me. But then we just started, like, chatting. And I was like, yeah, like, talking some whatever. And I was pretty chill about it because at that point, I was like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. And this dude literally was like, you know, you're kind of cool. Like, hey, like, once you get out of here, want to hang out? I'm like, sure, here's my number. Did you end up hanging out with her? No, God, no. He did try calling me, but I kept blocking the number. Ah, what 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 was he like in 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 there for something fucked up? Uh, I think he beat someone up. I wasn't really sure. Oh Jesus! It is it is interesting that um, it's like the jail because they're jailing gay men. It just becomes another place for you to meet other gay men. You know, now that you mention it, it kind of is. Interesting. So, okay, so they weren't that rough with you. You said it was a chill experience. They weren't like, you know, it's weird because to me, I when you're painting the picture of, and I this is me knowing absolutely nothing about Jordan, about the Jordanian police force, about what people's values are over there. I would think in a place where it's like literally illegal. Well, I guess I guess you said it's not illegal, but where it's like uh, quasi illegal to be gay, I, I would think that their prisons would be fucked up too. So I only say that the police station. So for the most part, like they did drag me out of my cell a few times, and they were like trying to harass me here and there. Um, a lot of jokes, a lot of like it was. It wasn't really the fun time, but for the most part, um, I kind of just I, I knew I didn't do anything wrong, and like despite what they believed. I just had to bear through and it was all going to be okay. So I kind of just like kept reassuring myself. Yeah. And um, it kind of was, well, not really. It wasn't that okay. Um, when I went to court, I think the, a week later after they bailed me out, um, I think my sentencing was like a year in prison. Something really? like that. Um, yeah, no, it was serious. At that point, I was like, okay, so I'm not sure if I can get out of this. And So um, what happened? Did you have to go to prison for a year? So, um, not really. Well, here's what happened. So the guy that I was making out with, his dad had some connections. 
And mm. so because he didn't want either of us going to jail, he made a few phone calls. And next thing I know, they kind of changed our sentences to like 40 hours of community service with like a three-year probation. And um, at that point, I already contacted the American Embassy. I was like, you know, get me out of here. Like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing it anymore. And um, I think within like three months, they got all my paperwork ready. They gave me an emergency passport, bought my plane tickets, and flew me out to Virginia. God damn, you hooked up with the right grinder guy. Thank God, you know. <laughs> yeah, thank God, me, man. man. You almost had to spend a year in Jordanian prison. Which, I mean, apparently from what you're saying is not that bad, but still. Could have been worse, honestly. Um, for the most part, I think it really did teach me a lot of values and it gave me a lot of faith in myself. And I realized that a lot of, not a lot of people are going to speak up and fight for you. So if you're not willing to do it for yourself, no one else is going to do that. Um, I spent so long just like sitting by myself, like especially after that. My parents are furious. They locked me in my room for like probably three months. Yeah, that um, was that was an aspect that, that we didn't get to touch and... on that I wanted to ask you about is how your parents reacted to all this. Ooh, no, that's a funny one. Um, it was really bad. I mean, I don't... To an extent, I guess I kind of tore down their reputation so I can see why they were kind of mad. But for the most part, they, they took it very extremely. Uh, both my parents are, like, very religious, so you can imagine how that went down. Um, it was dark times all over, and... They sent me to conversion therapy, actually. They have programs there in Jordan. Um, oh, here's a funny one. The psychiatrist over there, um, I remember he was, like, telling me, like, yeah, like, we all go through phases in life where we're, like, interested in weird things. And he was telling me about his life experiences and how, like, when he was a kid, he oh, he's always wanted to kiss a penis. And I had to sit there and, like, hey, like, do you want to toss over, like, the, the notepad and everything? Because I feel like you need to tell me about your relationship <laughs> with your dad. Yeah, yeah, it was, like... You know, hey, maybe maybe you're the one that needs some therapy here. No, believe it or not, it was kind of funny. It's just it, a lot of bizarre things. But for the most part, it did, like, I got to know more about myself through all the experiences. And by the time I was ready to leave, like, I was boarding the airplane. And, like, I had $500 in my pocket. I was losing everybody that I knew. Everything, my whole, I was, at the time, I was a second-year medical student before I dropped out. And... I kind of was just like, you know what, no matter what happens next, everything that I've gone through is a testimony that I can do things by myself because nobody was willing to believe in me. So if I believe in myself, I was, and I could do everything that I've done and survive everything. And I can do a little more than my, more with myself. Totally, man. So you boarded this plane from, uh, uh I have a bunch of questions about the transition from, jordan to virginia you went completely completely alone like no friends in georgia i mean i mean no no friends in um uh am i am i did i say georgia when i meant jordan just now yeah oh okay i'm bad at um, words um but anyway anyway um so you had no friends or family in virginia did you know anybody in virginia so i actually only knew one person um he was an old high school friend of mine. Um, once he graduated high school, he, because uh, he was born in the States as well, and like me, his parents were like, hey, like, let's introduce you to your like, side of the family. So he graduated high school in Jordan, but then um, he came back to Virginia to go, to go to college. And so at the time I emailed him, I was like, hey, um, like, I have no place to go and I'm trying to just like get away from everything. Like, do you know anyone that's like renting out a room or something? And he goes, you know what, you can just chill with me. 
And so I kind of just took that leap of faith. I wasn't really sure what I was jumping into. And he was like, you know what, I'll help you find a job, whatever, just to get you on back on your feet. Um, I, I think the flight was about, so the flight from Jordan to, uh, I have to go to Chicago first. It was like 13 hours. And then there was like a 12 hour delay to, for a morning flight to get me from Chicago to DC and then from DC to Virginia. So it was a really, oh, mind you, this was in 2020, literally right in the middle of COVID. So it was actually pretty hard getting any tickets. That's why the embassy had to arrange everything for me. That's amazing that the embassy was able to arrange for you to, uh, get the fuck out of there. No, they, they really did help me a lot. They, so I have, they were always, I they, have they, more they kept questions. checking up on me. And, oh, really? They did. Oh, go ahead. That's cool yeah, to no, hear they that the embassy supportive. is like, you know, checking up on you and being cool. Cause I would think, I guess my idea, well, America has a bad rap right now. So, uh, public government services, they, uh, my impression of them, I feel like a lot of people's impression of them is that they don't really give a shit. So I guess this is a good, oh, hey, maybe this one part of the government does give a shit kind of thing. But I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, so when is the last time you spoke with any of your family back in Jordan? So once I moved, um, I think it was like a month or so, I tried reaching out to my sisters. Um, for the most part, I really did miss them. They were They were my biggest supporters through all of it. Um, they didn't really know that I was leaving or anything, but um, despite everything, they were still trying to do their best to support me. So um, I reached out to them, and my mom kind of was like, hey, like, I want to talk to you. And so we spoke out our differences. She never really apologized for everything that she did to me. Um, she told me that she would, she, she would only wish if I could understand where she's coming from and that she never meant to harm me. It was just the way she was raised and the culture that she grew up in. So she had no other choice but to react the way she did. But despite that, she said family is family. Um, and she actually came to visit twice. Um, not that our relationship is perfect, but for the most part, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. She does say some like really ignorant comments here and there, but could have been worse. So let me ask you, when she says this to you, when she says, whatever, this is how I was raised, this is my religion, I wish you could see it from my perspective, do you make a genuine attempt to see it from her perspective, even if you vehemently disagree with it? Honestly, living on my own for almost two years now, I kind of do understand to an extent because I realize we all have our own separate experiences and whatever we're raised and taught from a young age, it shapes us into the people that we are and sometimes it's hard to shake it off. Some of us are only lucky to be, to have like accepted like very open ideas of you know love and acceptance for other people not many other people grew up in supportive environments so not that i completely forgive her for everything but for the most part i think i'll still consider her to be like to be my biological mom like if she wants someone to talk to i guess i'll be there for her what is your life like now in virginia before we go tell us about it what do you what do you do are you a student are you dating anyone? Do you have friends? Because you came there completely alone. And I want to hear how you were able to, you know, build from that. Well, it's a crazy Um I had a lot of really bad experiences. But for the most part, I I got a job. I kept working hard. It would uh, I would always walk to work. It would take me about like 40, 45 minutes. 
Um, at the time, I was only getting paid like $11 an hour, so I was just trying to make enough to get by. But then I went from one job to another that like paid from 11 to 15. And I kept working, picking up extra shifts. If I had any free time, I would try to see if I could work an extra hour or so. Um, and I kept working hard until I got a car, um, until like things started opening up for me. And um, now I work as a pharmacy technician, um, and I'm in training to get my license. And hopefully soon enough, maybe one day I might go back to college too. Um, I did meet someone actually. Um, oh, you should have met him. He was literally the coolest person ever. Um, it originally was a grinder hookup. Um, he came over, we chilled for a bit, hooked up, and we just kept talking after that for about an hour or so. And funny thing, when he was walking out the door, he had his car keys in hand, mind you, and I was like walking him out. And he looks at me and he goes, um, drive safe. And two steps, he stops and he looks back and he goes, God, I'm so stupid. And the whole cool guy facade that he had just like faded away. And honestly, he was the cutest person I've ever met. Um, we ended up dating actually for about a year or so. Um, we did a lot together and he helped me through so much and he's probably going to be my best friend. And I've never loved anyone as much as I loved him before. Man, this grinder is getting you into all sorts of situations. I think this time it might've ended me up in a good situation. Um, it didn't really last though. Oh, it didn't last. You broke up. Given my history and everything, given my history and everything that happened to me, I'm not exactly a perfect person. So. I tend to freak out on the smallest things and mm -hmm. I wake up with night terrors and I kind of took it out on him. And for the most part, I really am sorry for everything that I've done to him. Um, I tried my best to fix it. I, I posted a video on Instagram, actually 22 minutes, video, like 22 minutes long, me just like sobbing on camera, looking through like old memories and stuff and apologizing to him for everything that I've done wrong and hopes that, you know, he would forgive me and might come back. Um, I wrote him a love letter, emailed it to him. I went on like different Reddit forums, like dropping like letters and like notes and stuff like that in hopes he would see it. Um, I even made a PowerPoint mm. presentation and like I presented it to him to try to convince him to get back with me. He's just, he was a great person. And for the most part mm. with him, I honestly forgot about a lot of things that ever happened to me. It almost seemed like my life started when like the moment I met him. Interesting. When, when did you stop seeing this guy? About two weeks ago. Okay. So you're still a little bit in the midst of it. Sort of. Um, I think tomorrow he's going to give me his definite answer on whether or not we can ever get back together or not. So well, crossed, I'm gonna but... say I'm gonna say this to you, Danny, because I, I'm I'm just regurgitating what you said already. Um, you've been through a ton of shit, and you've been through it like, as you said, uh, uh, you you know, you told me that all of these experiences have given you the confidence that you can tough shit out alone, and uh, I agree with you. I mean, when I hear all this shit that you're going through and how you came from Jordan to Virginia friggin alone and you were able to kind of work your way into a stable life position. I mean, you're, you're standing on a great foundation here. I know that people fall in love and they go a little bit wild and, and, and whatnot, but listen, Danny, I think, I think you're going to be okay. And I think, you know, you're going to be okay too. Cause you, you clearly have, uh, this, this skill set of, navigating the universe just by yourself 
And also, you're still very young. You're only 21 years old, it says. And I thought, and that's freaking amazing, too, that you were doing this at 19. So, you know, I, I know you might be head over heels for this guy, but I, I don't think all hope is lost for you uh, no matter what happens. And I think you know that, too. Yeah, I do. I guess for the most part, I just... I really saw a lot in him, and I still do. Um, when I say I loved him unconditionally, I, like, I really do. And so... I expected he would be the one I spend my whole life with. Like everything that happened to me might have happened so I can end up with him. But right now the ball's in his court. If he wants to come back to me, he can. If he doesn't, that's okay. And I've been through worse. Well, Danny, thank you for sharing your story with us. I I, I encourage you to be open-minded because you're you're a hell of a soldier here on this earth. And uh, I I think that. You should have a mindset of uh, abundance as opposed to scarcity, um, because the the world is is your oyster if uh, you so choose to attack it. I believe I do believe that about you, and I know you believe that about yourself. So I just wanted to say that again. Um, is there anything else that you would like to say to the people of the computer before we go, Danny? Um, let's see. It has to be something useful. So doesn't have to be anything. If... You could, you know. Go ahead. I feel like I want to share something nice with, just in case someone needs to hear this. Sure. If you ever feel like you're alone and you're going through it and you need someone to believe in, I think sometimes if you just find the courage to believe in yourself and you do what you feel is right, you'll end up in better places than you could have ever imagined. I like it. What a great ad for Grinder this call has been. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for calling, Danny. Thank you so much. Man, you know, I will say, I meant what I said to Danny. Uh, it was interesting that the second half of, or I guess the third, fourth of that, the fourth, fourth of that call was him talking about this guy. Because the, the, the first three fourths of the call are Danny's adventure journey to uh, realizing that he doesn't need anyone but himself. Uh, you know, it's wonderful that he maintains a great relationship with his sister. It's wonderful that he um, maintains a relationship with his mom and that things worked out for him. Um, I really do think he's going to be fine whether or not this guy likes him back. Danny seems like He's an adaptable person. We can tell that from everything he's been through. And once again, I appreciate him sharing his story. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello? Hello? What's up, cringe? Um, uh, yeah, having an existential crisis, I believe. Yes, cringe, I it cringe, it says here you're having an existential crisis. Uh, it says you have a sizable following on social media, 
but you feel like you don't have the motivation to do it anymore. Oh, this is a this is a juicy one. Let's. I'm excited to get into this here. Tell me. Tell me. Okay, how long have you had a following on social media? Um, I want to say, well, it's definitely been a little over a year at this point. Okay, it's been a little over a year. And um, what what is it? What is it for? Can I ask? Um, it's just like random stupid shit on TikTok. It's like because I feel like I can't be myself anywhere. And so I was up all night one night and I just started posting videos and uh, I started getting like hundreds of follows, followings at a time. Like it went from 100 to 800 to like, you name it. And now I'm stuck at like 42,000 and I, and I just feel paralyzed. Like I can't post anymore, but I feel like I'm letting people down because I did not expect to take off like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I mean, do you have a desire to create content for the internet for any reason beyond not disappointing people? Um, I definitely enjoy having an outlet in some way and I like to embrace and uh, express myself and I like to connect with people but I also don't know how to um, I don't have any type of niche or anything like that. I don't know how to be you know, an influencer or anything. I just can't seem to be authentically myself without having a secondary voice in my head that's like, delete all your shit right now. You're weird. Like, uh, it's weird. Do you desire to ever, like, make money off of this or make it into a, a, a career for yourself? The thing is, the craziest thing is I have made money off of it, and yet it's just... I, I don't know how to just continue going. Like... I've made over $200 on live streams, but I, it was like it's a spur of the moment type thing and it just kicked off and I just don't know how to find that inspiration again, I guess. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you something that I, that, that I've learned that I've been thinking about a lot, which is that in some, with, with social media, right? Like these, these numbers, of like, oh, I want to increase my followers. I want to increase my whatever. The reward now, it's it's so it's important to actually enjoy the process of what you're doing, because the reward for being good at the process is just more of the process. You know. If you gain a bunch of followers yeah. on social media for making videos, your reward is that you you get to make more videos. You know, it's an endless loop of process. So if you don't enjoy the process, then there's no point. Right. Because I feel like at some point I did enjoy it, but it's uh, the whole what is it like perception thing? Like I will oh, post like a video and be completely content with myself. Yes, sure. and it's 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 killing me at this point. Like it's driving me into a hole because I feel good about something that I either 
off the top of my head posted or spent some time on and worked hard on and I will publish or post it or whatever and then immediately rewatch it and be like, no, I need to take this down just because I cannot stand to see myself. And I know it's stupid, but I wish I could just jump over that and get past it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have I have that myself sometimes, man. I'm 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 with you. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure that out because part of me is always like part part of me likes posting those kinds of things that I'm afraid to post because it's just like a big fuck you to that feeling, you know? You know what right. I mean? You're feeling like your your cringe will be like, well, fuck you. I'm gonna post something even cringier. I'm gonna post something I don't. I want to be perceived as even less to free myself of this feeling. That's what I'd like yeah, to do. And that's the funny part courageous. is this. Right. I kind of like spent my entire life being treated like garbage for who I am and how I am and being called weird and cringy. And that's kind of why I that's I labeled myself cringe because like, fuck you. You can't call me that. I called myself that. Like, I kind of own that shit. But at the same time, I don't know how to go through with, you know, like I said, po posting stuff and keeping it up. Hmm. Well, I like that attitude that you just said of, of owning the fact that you are cringe. Thank you. I feel like that's a good guiding light for you through these, these situations. I feel like that's a good sort of philosophy to live by for this current time period in your life. Cringe. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I've gotten to that point that, that I can sit there and, and take hate and be like, well, I mean, duh, that's kind of what, that's, you know, it's like me makes me quirky or whatever the fuck. Like, I, it's my niche of being fucking cringy. So it feels good when you're able to successfully post something that you consider to be cringy and just bask Ooh, yeah. Yeah. in that perception. And go, oh, wow, this doesn't even hurt me anymore. You know? It's like you're overcoming it. Yeah, it was it was really stupid. Because, like, my, one of my first posts that ever blew up, I thought was so stupid and cringy. But I actually kept it up because of the whole reason I made the post. Or the page for, you know, the cringe aspect or whatever. And it was like, um, oh, am I on your For You page? Fuck you. Keep scrolling because I suck. And that blew up and got, like, 40,000 likes and fucking uh 600 followers from it and i and i was like okay now ha what what happened there <laughs> well listen uh what'd you say your name was cringe cringe at the end of the day i think if if your primary desire is an outlet for creativity and thoughts <laughs> you know if that's your primary desire if you're not trying to start a business with this thing or you know, to become an influencer or anything like that, then you're completely free to interact with it on your own time schedule. So even if that's three months from now when you go without opening the app, but in three months you're like, oh, I have this idea and I feel like this is the best outlet for it, then you can start back up then. But I feel like if the desire is not in you to really make something out of this, then I wouldn't feel pressured to. 
Right. That I understand completely. I just, there's a whole aspect of like, I got a little too connected to some of my followers and I even had like a Discord server and everything. And then I just kind of fell off and got distant. And it's at the point where like, I just, I want to step back into making stuff, but if I can't stay committed to it, I don't want to let people down. Don't worry about letting people down. That's you're 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 never gonna be you. You have to be okay with letting people down, or else you're just gonna go insane. Okay. Look, if it makes you feel better, I let people down all the time. Uh, I made a little thing with myself, you know, because I'm doing this the whole thing and I'm talking to people all the time, and um, you know, I would li- like okay, I'll use myself as an example. I would like. For uh, people to, uh, uh, you know, enjoy watching this stream and enjoy interacting with the things that I do on the internet. But not everyone will. Some people will get disappointed if I don't stream for a day or if, uh, you know, I don't have anything to say in response to a phone call or, or I, I don't know, any miscellaneous thing that might happen that would piss someone off or, or, or quote, let them down. Um, but I made a, a, a whole thing with myself. I was like, I, I have, I, I do not, it, it is unsustainable uh, for me to care about that kind of thing. So I just don't, I just made the executive decision not to care about letting people down uh, for the sake of my own mental health and sustainability. And, um, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but highly, high review. I give a high review of that mindset for uh, the short amount of time that I've inhibited it. Anyway, cringe, good luck to you, and um, Gek bless you for a thousand years. Thank you. I honestly feel like I might try to do a live tonight just just to reconnect a little bit with them. You definitely have given me some inspiration. Do it up big. Thank you. Make some merch, cringe. Buy it. Make a t-shirt. I'll buy a t-shirt. How much are the t-shirts? 